Because you deep down inside want to be a rapper. Stop front. <laughs> I feel like that comes down to it for most people. It's like, Because oh. he was hating on me. I'm like, man, I know you, but you wish you was a rapper. Yo, what's up, y'all? Ergo Radio. How y'all feeling? Y'all, y'all decent? You good? How is the world treating you? How are you treating it? Questions that should be answered. You can tweet at us. This is Ergo Radio. Man, I'm Damon. I'm Kiss. We're excited to be talking one to each other. I'm just excited you know, to be talking to you, Dame. I appreciate that. I, I, I love seeing your boyish face. Ah, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we have a, a really special interview to share with you. Oh, we actually didn't do this one live uh, on the air, uh, but it's... It's pretty, pretty, pretty good. It's, it's, it's <laughs> <laughs> he throws me off with that every time. But we, we were able to sit down with Rubber Diaz, two amazing thinkers, rappers, organizers, and just, you know, people doing hot shit. And the first uh, official Bronxites, other than me, involved in Ergo. So that's yeah. a pretty special moment. That's hot. The beyond is getting stronger. Talk about coalition. Also, I'm going to start changing it to Stronging Voices from Chicago and the Bronx. Oh, no. <laughs> Shout out to the braids. These are some of the best braids in history. Wow. So yeah. I hope that you can hear the beauty of their braids. Like swish in front of the microphone. <laughs> um, but yeah, shouts to Rebel Diaz for coming on the show. A uh, couple community announcements real quick before we get into the conversation. So today, the 13th, at AMFM, Tasha is dropping a new video, and she's having a video release party at the AMFM space in Pilsen. Shout out, Tasha. It's free. You should come through. Uh, and I think the video is going to be really good. She's got a whole bunch of new stuff, including a tour. Uh, so definitely come check that out. We've talked about it a bunch, but Rick Wilson headlining Shuba's this Saturday. Make sure you get your ticket. Go up there. Uh, it's going to be a great show. It actually, I think, is going to feature my brother. Oh, wow. He's coming in. He, they've been making Shout some music Aaron. together. So, And then... Also, keeping it within the family, uh, Kaina and the Burns Twins are performing the 17th, that's the Monday, at Emporium. And that's also free. We're, we're also, just to get your calendars ready, uh, April 29th at Chicago State University, Let Us Breathe uh, is partnering up to do another black market. Um, so, you know, black vendors, artisans, craftsmen, um, those trading and selling goods craftspeople. will be craftspeople. Yes, shout out. We hold each other. Yeah, no no binaries. Uh, Yeah, the people with the crafts is going to be there. (laughs) Shout out to the economics uh, and proceeds will help build the breathing room space with the Let Us Breathe Collective. Also, May Day, May 1st, Ogden Roosevelt, 11 a.m., mass mobilization. We're calling for everybody, especially those who are against racism, particularly. Be there or be racist. You know, you might be racist if you don't go or you might be busy. (laughs) <laughs> but if you're free or want to be free, ha <laughs> ah, <laughs> Pun game crazy. Check anyway. us out 11 a.m. Roosevelt and Ogden, Cook County Juvenile Detention Center. Before we get into the conversation, here's a little preview of some of their music. I feel alive. Enjoy this conversation with Rebel Diaz. It was such a joy kicking it with them, and we're excited to share it with you. Yep. Yep. <laughs> okay, we work it for better days. to be humble, trying to be grown, a little more responsible, 
too much of a hustler Don't wanna get too comfortable See this what I've been taught to do Ruffle a few feathers Don't fit in with the others But with numbers there's power To take back what's ours So every hour on the hour I'm building for the future Spaces we can't go to Where our youth are safe from shooters Violence is rampant Not just police tactics We killing ourselves slowly It's a must we take action okay, we working for better days Not for the getaway Listening to Ergo, WHBK, ErgoRadio.com. I'm Kiss. I'm Damon. What up? And uh, we have a couple of special guests sitting down with us here in, uh, I guess it's Ergo Studio E or F. We just keep adding. Basically, we will record anywhere on the go. Studio Gamma. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we have a couple of very special guests who welcomed us into into the house, into the studio. You want to go ahead and introduce yourselves? Peace, Hot is Rod Stars. Peace, my name is G1, and together we're Rebel Diaz. Well, thank you first and foremost for sitting down with us. For um, sure, for sure. Thank you for having us, bro. And you know, it, it's it's exciting to to kind of bring y'all into this conversation that we've been having with all of these artists over the first eighty five episodes of the show or whatever. But why don't we start, Dave? You want to just start with like what you were talking about right before? Yeah, yeah. No, nah, this is really exciting for me uh, to be here with y'all. Uh, y'all came in yesterday for a really big citywide teaching that we'll talk about. Uh, but I, I became aware of y'all, Rebel Diaz, in the Ferguson moment. And so as somebody who didn't identify as an activist, didn't even have the language of organizing, um, but just ended up on the ground and ended up building relationships, um, seeing y'all and how y'all operated in that space. I didn't know your music, but I knew that y'all made music and y'all had like some cachet or some capital that y'all were coming with, but weren't flexing and were really helpful. Um, and, and said some things that opened up my mind at a very early stage. So I'm just humbled and grateful to be here with y'all. Um, and so tell us a little bit uh, about in this post-Ferguson moment, if y'all have been doing hip-hop and organizing explicitly for your whole career, as things have become more popular or mainstream in terms of like radical consciousness and radical organizing, how has that shifted for the last two, two and a half years since I was seeing y'all in the hands-up office? Man, for, for us, Ferguson was a, a super turning moment, you know, an uprising, uh, organic uprising, you know what I'm saying, in a forgotten and ignored and divested urban area, you feel me? And uh, what brought us there initially was 
we have a, a hip hop collective in the Bronx, and one of our young members, a DJ friend of ours, uh, his boy was uh, Mike Brown's cousin. Wow. You know what I'm saying? So we, we see in, in the first couple of days after August 9th, it's popping off, and we're like, uh, you know, your man from our collective, like, yo, we gotta, we gotta go check. I gotta go check it with my boy. I see him all over TV. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, and uh, so we we took a van out there. You know what I'm saying? And, and it was like, how long is that drive? Like what, like eight, 18 hours? Oh, damn, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah, we, we had four and a half from here. I couldn't. And, and again, for like as like for a lot, a lot of people, that was a similar experience. You know what I'm saying? This idea that we were seeing something on television that that we hadn't seen in decades here in the United States. You know what I'm saying? Um, and so for us, again, it was initially like a personal thing. Like, yo, let's check in on the homie. Um, but also to go build. And it, and it's wild because Rod always tells the story, maybe you could tell it better, about our initial arrival onto the set uh, in Ferguson. It was wild because we show up, you know what I'm saying, we got the New York plates and we get out the 15-passenger van, like, doop, 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 like 12 of us getting out like, what up, we in Ferguson. And, you know, we see the the there's different sets out there that was coming together in unity. You know what I'm saying? You, right, you could tell right, more right, that right, story. Right. So we, we get off the, uh, the van and... I, we I guess apparently we rolled up on a set of GDs, you know what I mean, or Crips, you know, yeah, like you know, yeah. So they look and then Rebel Diaz, our colors is black and red. We always were black on the Revolution tip, so they they looked at us like, man, these bloods, you know what I mean. So I roll up right to them, you know, street code, honor them, like what up, family. And then when I told them we came from the Bronx to show solidarity. The scowls on their faces became hugs and smiles, right, right, like instantly, right. you know. Yeah, yeah. And so what was dope about that more than anything was that. We were able to see upon arrival what we were arriving to. Right. And it was uh, literally a street-led, you know what I mean, uprising. And I say that because um, it turns out like the chief of that set went to Sen High School in Chicago. Like he had a Chicago connection. Oh, damn. And so we like named, we were from the same era. I'm naming people he knew. <laughs> so he like had fam love for the crew yeah, right yeah, away. Yeah, yeah. And he sent what was real, like just about seeing the organic ways of leadership and organizing. He sent um, two of his like soldiers, like 18, 19 year old kids, to be our security. And he was like, yo, stay with them. Uh, at that moment, my wife was pregnant with my little son. Mm -hmm. She was like seven months pregnant. So he was like, man, your wife, he's like, I wanna make sure y'all good. So we had these two young men wow. straight up like posted with us yeah. for like the rest of that evening. Like they, they, and, and they, they were doing security, bro. Like, they were like, if we were crossing, they were like, yo, hold up. You know, mm -hmm. I got y'all. <laughs> and so for us, um, we we had like a straight introduction to the front lines. And and really, we were able to see that that it was, you know what I mean? Gangs were united against yeah. an, a common enemy, which was the police. And so that, to me, was super powerful. And then just seeing that, seeing that 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 it was a military occupation. This is the thing is that we arrived there before the National Guard arrived, mm. a couple of days before the curfew. Right. So it was so still seeing, just St. Louis like, County. It was kind of crazy, but when we had arrived, it was actually a day of celebration. Mm -hmm. A lot of folks talk about it. Like there was an initial uprising and then they kind of like did like the whole like let them rock. So people was we arrived in like liberated territory, like the burnt down mm -hmm. uh uh the gas station, the quick trip yeah. was like ground zero. And everybody was, you know, we even had some B-boys from New York that started breakdancing. It was like it was a celebratory moment. And that very same night, we went back to go get some rest after driving in. And they start blowing on my phone like, yo, they National Guard came in and like deaded the whole celebration type atmosphere. And so from then on, it was war. You know what I mean? Literally. And so we were able to be there. Um, and then our role really 
besides, you know, supporting was also to document. So, you know what I mean? We documented a lot of it. And we were able to get, I think, a lot of footage that, you know what I mean, a lot of the the, the media wasn't getting. Yeah, you know I mean, I think the three roles that you just described, you all playing in that moment, and I know, like, extends to the work you do of, like, participant, documentarian, uh, uh, mentor, and educator with young people, and then also, like, um, like artistic contributor. Like, those three are kind of, like, the three roles that we see having like this incredible force like the, when you bring those three together you never know what can come out of it so i want to kind of zoom into one of them real quick which was you just mentioned having this van full of kids uh, of young people from the bronx were there things that were happening there were they like looking to you to Wait, explain you it mentioned the bronx without saying that you're from okay the i'm from the bronx so i'm very excited i'm very excited that's what's up. um that's a record though like, he... <laughs> no usually i open with it you know right. that's 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 the introduction that hip-hop um, cred off top <laughs> no and y'all are the first bronx related people we've had on so that's just from a personal note very do it, exciting man, do it. Don't, don't be um shy. i can't do an x with a microphone in my head it does it doesn't work but um were were those young people looking to you to explain things that you didn't know how to explain? Like, was there anything that felt tricky in, in relation to those young folks in that space? Yeah, I mean, the 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 group of young people that we went with um, to Ferguson was was members of the Rebel Diaz Art Collective, the the RDAC BX, how we used to call it uh, by its initials, um, and that it, that wasn't like a nonprofit. It wasn't like a you know, one no boys and girls club situation. Uh, me and my bro in in my early and mid twenties, we uh we with a group of our friends from the Bronx uh, took over an abandoned factory space in the Bronx in two thousand eight. Wow. Um, and this was after a summer of having taken over a, a abandoned lot in the Bronx and turned it into a community garden. Um, but then you know we were doing shows there and it was a awesome energy. From the neighborhood, from young people, just the, the the process of yo, let's organize this event, let's make the flyer, who bringing the speakers, what we, you know, it was in a lot of ways true to the essence of, of how hip hop came about in the Bronx. But then it got cold, you feel me? <laughs> so we had that to, <laughs> so we had to get a spot, you know. And that's this is telling a long story, real short. But uh, but we 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 grabbed an abandoned factory building, uh, in the Bronx, you know, this still to this day littered with abandoned factory, the all the, all the factories that have gone overseas, and uh. And we turned it into a 5,000 square foot hip hop community center. You know what I'm saying? Um, and for six years, we rocked there. We had a performance space. We had, you know, a media center. We had workshops. And again, this was most of this was done out of our own, you know, experience. We didn't, we didn't, we weren't experts on nothing. We didn't know what, you know, we wasn't experts at getting grants or any of this stuff. Mm -hmm. You feel me? So, and as a matter of fact, most of it was done uh, through the work of the community. You know what I'm saying? Rod always tells the story of. Of one of the homies in the neighborhood, Tito. Tito, you know, every every hood got a Tito. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like he was on the blob, but he wasn't really being too productive with it. You feel me? And 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 he would like he saw what we was doing with the factory space, like, yo, I wanna get down. And we're like, nah, Tito, chill, you know what I'm saying? And ultimately, this brother was uh an unemployed electrician who was down on his luck, you know what I'm saying, on hard times. And that's exactly what we needed for this space was electric work. You feel me? Um, so just these lessons that we learned through the process, like, you know, uh, a lot of times today we think about like activism and like, yo, if you wearing, you ain't wearing a Chase shirt or a Malcolm shirt or you can't quote a Sada, then you... Or you don't have a 501c3. Right, man. then you ain't about nothing. You right. feel me? But, you know what I'm saying, through this process we learned that, you know, everybody in our community is an asset. Everybody got got value. You know what I'm saying? And so through this process, we, we built a collective of young people in the Bronx. And... Um, Again, it was it was not a 
you know, these young people weren't that much younger than us, even to be honest with you. You feel me? It was teenagers. We in our mid twenties, early mm -hmm. mid twenties, um, and we really just the idea of just doing something and taking space. You feel yeah. me? And taking space both physically, taking space in terms of creating more media makers. You know what I'm saying? Folks that, were, that that not only were learning how to create media and the technical aspect of it, but also being able to read mass media and being able to deconstruct it and being able to tell our own stories. You feel me? Um, and see how, in a lot of ways, the the the, the interests of mass media and global capital they want they want to tell our stories for us, yeah, so they yeah. can benefit their narrative. You feel me? So learning that that process. So these young people that went, it it was we were all in the process together. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't really like oh we putting you on game about this and that. We were putting each other on right. on game, you know. We were originally from Chicago, the the children of of, of you know, Chilean refugee mm -hmm. immigrants, uh political exiles, refugees, you feel me? And so we grew up here in the shy. We're not from the Bronx. We was we've been there now, it's been what, almost 15 years. Yeah. Um and but at the same time again, so we learning from them as well. You mm -hmm. feel me? So I think it was a definitely a two-way. I don't know if you want to add to that. No, I think that so because we went we went out there twice. We took we took more young people on the second trip for for Ferguson in October. Yeah, yeah. Than the original. That's when trip. I met y'all. Yeah. So on that trip we had more young folks, mm -hmm. and I and we also be clear too is like we're not talking about 13, 14 year olds. You know what I'm saying? Like these are kids. A lot of them we started working with them when they were sixteen, but by that point they were 23, 24. You know what I mean? So like young compared yeah, to us, right, but, but you know, but grown independent too. People, you know. And and I say that too because I think that even now in politics or even in movement politics, like there's a lot of emphasis put on young folks, and 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 I think that it almost becomes a crutch. Like oh, they young. Like bro, Chairman Fred Hampton was 21. He was mm -hmm. the leader of the Panther Party on a state level yeah. and a national leader already. You right. know what I mean? And so I always try, even when I work with young folks, like bro, we're not doing a little baby, and you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. you 21, you grown. Yeah, real talk. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah, yeah. And I think that in movement politics, we be trying to like, cause it's so young, so few young people that get involved right. that we be. You know what I mean? It's a lot of that going on. That's yeah. like, you know what I mean. The same what we got, you yeah. know. And so for us, I, you know, but but what I do know from the experience that there was definitely, you know, there was definitely leadership involved in mm. which you know what I mean. Like, we're not gonna let the young ones. Like, yo, my G, you not going over there. Yeah. Like, it's not yeah. going down. Yeah. It don't matter that you're 21. Like. Yeah. We we gonna watch out, make sure y'all safe. <laughs> right, right. Because right. when we got there in August, a lot of folks try to romanticize it, like, oh, it was, bro, mm -hmm. it wasn't peaceful, dog. People were shooting back. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And like, there was moments when they was, you know, like you gotta keep it a hundred. Like there was moments when they was, you know, going into the to break, breaking into the liquor stores and the yeah, beauty. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, not yeah. everybody there was there for on some. You know what right, I mean? Like, right. but at the same time, who are we to decide how people resist? Mm -hmm. And if in that moment. People want to go up in and hit up the yeah, beauty blast political action. Yeah, do what you got to do. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm not gonna push my young folks to run up in there yeah, as well. Yeah, like, yeah. nah, because they want you know, yeah. nah, nah, hold back, fall back. <laughs> you know. Now I just wanted to ask. Somebody had dropped the gem on me recently, like in in terms of the idea, the relationship between you know when we make these distinctions between young people or elders or you know teenagers or whatever it may be. Like we are gonna be in the same geological era. You know what I'm talking about? When they find us yeah. in the in the you know in the crust <laughs> yeah, of the clay, the, the dirt, and all that we we gonna be they ain't gonna be able to make that distinction. Like oh, this mug was five years older than this dude. Like nah, homie, we in the same geological eon. So we got That's you know good. what I'm saying? We got building to do. We in the same page. Like no one told my younger brother that when we were arguing when I was little. <laughs> like yo, they got that. man, man. I'm like, I'm, I'm taking it back a little bit to be, to be trained. I'm like humble for real, uh, cause I'm, I'm kind of breaking out of like interview mode, 
and just want to like build and learn on, on someone because the parallels uh, between the work we do with the Let Us Breathe Collective and the story that y'all talking about that's like kind of 10 years prior is like we're going through the same thing so we actually have a space right now that we're rebuilding um, that has a lot of the same vision of, of what so, so I guess what I want to ask since we're on mic to try to be efficient is like what are some of the struggles because the, sp- the space kind of got like the got taken if, 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 from my understanding, right? So what were some of the struggles you've learned now that you've had some years to process doing, building something so powerful um, and, and, and dealing with those contradictions? Gentrification is a powerful, powerful force. It's, uh, it's not just politicians. It's uh, very large real estate interests. Mm-hmm, right. Um, they can't be underestimated. You know, we see here in Chicago even Casa uh, Aslan, one of the institutions in Pilsen for years that has got you know, bought up and sold out and they're about to turn it into private condominiums. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Um, so initially we came in and, and we made a deal with the owner who, who and we said, yeah, we're going to better your property. We'll toss you some bread per month in an effort to legalize the space and not deal with the immediate response to the police state. Mm-hmm. You feel me? Because that's another thing. We we can look at references in Europe and Latin America, people in Ocupas and occupied spaces, but they don't necessarily live in the police state that we live in here. Right, right. You feel me? Um, so we and, and legalizing the space, we entered into a situation where we're dealing with an owner. And so I think one of the lessons we learned just in terms of physical spaces that we need to own them. Mm-hmm. We need to own them, whether it's land trusts, whether it's identifying city-owned buildings that at the end of the day should be in the name of the people because if it's city-owned, it's public-owned, and it's public use. Um, so that's that's definitely one thing, and and at the end of the day, we don't have the power uh, of of violence that the state has, and the monopoly on violence that the state has. So you know, when we talk about when we got kicked out, it wasn't hey, excuse me, guys, you know, here's a letter, and please uh leave your space. It was we gonna come in with armed marshals, and we're gonna you know like TV style for real, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, with the little red dot and everything. Right. Um, and so I, I think that's one of the main things that we've learned moving forward. You know what I'm saying in terms of alternatives we need to own collectively um mm-hmm. these spaces that we're in uh two i think that um we need to be able to uh, for us our experience was we didn't really deal with foundation money right. you know what i'm saying we received some support and some solidarity uh from the bolivarian revolution in venezuela really? uh, after a visit uh from president hugo chavez in 2005 which uh rod had that's right me and rod had a, had also a case where we got beat up by the law and then <laughs> wow. ypd this is 2007 uh and somebody filmed it, you know, with wow. the with the 2007 smartphone. So it's mad. <laughs> it was a little it's more mad blurry, blurry, yeah. But you can still see these dudes see maxing brains. us. You know, what I'm now we held our own though. <laughs> Not but. <laughs> Ross said you ain't hold your own. <laughs> hey, but, hey, but, oh, no. hey, but we came back. We came back and we beat the case. You know what I'm saying? And and they get they gave us bread uh, on a settlement. Mm. You feel me? And it had a lot of community support as well. Um, and I that's, that's powerful because like there's been a lot of politicization of like how much money gets spent on settlements in Chicago. It's like six. Yeah, and million in New York too, they years. spending millions of dollars. And if we like use that for the people, exactly. And so our, our whole piece was, you know, what can we do? We could we could keep these protests going on the street, which is important, or we could also think about long term solutions. And for us, it was, you know, we got arrested and beat up by the police defending an immigrant uh, food vendor 
who was getting raided by the police and the health department. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is also a process of gentrification, you know what I'm saying? All the, the real estate interests with the local politicians and the, the brick and mortar merchants that don't want yeah. the, the immigrant, you know, vendors outside. They call the law on them, get them out, raises the property value, you feel me? So we understood that this was not just a case of police brutality, but also, you know, this went right all the way up to the mayor at the time, who was Mayor Bloomberg, uh, real estate tycoon, yeah. you feel me? So um, uh, for us... I want to stay on on the on the topic of what you were saying in terms of lessons. You feel yeah. me? Learn um, beyond that the idea of being able to do something independently. So we use some of this police money to invest in the space and invest in the infrastructure that we have to this day. We lost the space, but we still have the people. We still have the sound systems. We still have yeah. the t-shirt presses. We still have, you know what I'm saying? So that there can be losses. You can get setbacks, but the police state comes at you. But at the same time, if you start to build infrastructure and you're building people relationships, the state can't, can't take, take that away. Me, yeah. You feel me? Um, so that's one thing, you know, those relationships are so important to this day. The young men that were 15, 16, now they 25 doing their thing whether in music whether in college whether in different fields you know what I'm saying that that there was something a, a seed that was thrown in there in terms of uh, political consciousness in terms of critical thought yeah. um, and I also say in, in that same vein and maybe Ra you want to add to some of these lessons but you know we, we can't enable too often, you know what I'm saying, in, in capitalism, like, it's this idea that, you know, we're going to get saved and mm-hmm. somebody going to come save the hood. You feel me? And even sometimes internally, folks, you know, from within the hood, we like, we're going to save our hood. And and the reality is that we have to engage in process because only through process do we really start to learn and rethink ideas of collectivism. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because if you just hand a young man like, yo... Man, you deserve a laptop because every you know it's a right to have the access to be able to make beats and edit videos and you know what I'm saying and it's well intentioned. But at the same time, if we're not adding political education, if we're not uh, having uh, building an infrastructure where people feel like they are part of it, they have ownership in that process, then you just replicating the same value systems of the oppressor, which is let me give you something. And like you just empty vessel, I'm gonna feed this to you, and that's it. You feel me? Um, and and if when that happens, we, we again we don't want to replicate the the value system of the oppressor. So I I think another lesson learned is that is that how can we create solidarity? You know, get a, get done with charity. You know what I'm saying? And start and start really building power and really building infrastructure and capacity. Yeah. So in thinking about that building, um, I know you said you've been in the Bronx now 15 years, but as transplants to the space, as people coming in who didn't come up there, um. Whether you knew it at the time or now looking back, like how did you, um, and I'm asking this kind of not selfishly, but personally, like as a transplant to this space, and I'm constantly, you know, dealing with the tensions in that and, and learning through it. But for y'all, what were some of the, whether it was missteps or just moments where you're like, oh, this is, whether it's breaking out of that savior model or whatever, like how do, how do I walk into these rooms in a way that people can connect with? Um, so, so, f- a big part of the organizing that happened with the collective came from the community I arrived in. I arrived in Hunts Point. Mm-hmm. So Hunts Point historically has been one of the poorest congressional districts, communities in the country. Hunts Point used to be on HBO. You know, they had the, the, the hoes at the point, hookers at the point. You know what I mean? So it's a poor community. Um, it's also an industrial It's hub. an industrial community, truck drivers, you know what I mean? Like shipping. There's all the conditions for prostitution, drugs, drug trade. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so when I arrived there, I've like, you know what I mean? We we we're refuge we're children of refugees, B. Like our parents, I I got a British passport. Like I've always been the new kid on the block. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, so you know what I'm saying? So when I arrived in Hunts Point, it didn't really feel like 
I don't know. I, I've always been like, like I said, I've always been social. So when I arrived, I wasn't on some like, yo, like I'm not, I arrived on some like, man, I'm trying to build with everybody in this area. And I feel like I've always been, re, like with even within Rebel Diaz, we have different skills as G. Could, could, uh, you give him a, a straw, a toothpick, and some wires, and he'll build you a studio. You know what I'm saying? Like he like he like the the ghetto MacGyver, you know. But I've always been good at at people skills. You know what I mean? So I went to the Bronx, and the same way you become friends when you a kid, right. it ain't that much different when you're older. Organizing is really just building. You know what I'm saying? Trust, trust, and like, yeah. and so that's what I try to tell people all the time. Is like, man. In the movement, they be folks that 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 they like people skills. Right. So like they come like I be like B, you can have the best politics in the world, but if you come up to me on some like crazy stuff, I'm gonna probably slam the door in your face. Or you even know like I mean? you can't just look me in the eyes. We can't even talk. Like or we person, not you know yeah. like, yeah. and you obviously not from here. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when I arrived, it wasn't like, like oh who these you know what I mean? I was going to the barbershop. You know what I mean? I'm going to play ball. I've always played ball. I go play ball at the courts. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and so I I started meeting people before I started talking any political stuff. Mm. Yeah. And so I remember one of the main years we was organizing was when the Giants won the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. I'm not even a Giants fan, but I started hanging out with these homies, right? Yeah. They had a music studio. Like, you know, typical crews like in Chicago. Yeah. I'm hanging with them. I'm watching football with them, smoking, chilling. Then once the trust is built... Man, fellas, what's up, man? I've been trying, you know. Yeah. That's that ain't just stranger talking. That's Rob from the block. He from the block. Yeah, yeah. Man, what y'all think about doing this? Man, that sound kind of fresh. Let's do it. Yeah. And so I've always believed that even like, like, like with our essence of being refugees, like I'm a citizen of the world, bro. I relate to poor people wherever I go. Put me in any hood, and I'm good. True. true. Real talk, yeah. like, you know what I'm saying? I, I don't been in prison. And it's the same people skills in prison yeah. allow me to survive. Yeah. Real talk, you know what I mean? Like I had killers in, when I'm in jail, like, man, Rob, you want to give me some advice on? <laughs> and I'm like, man, for sure, I got you, dog. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> you know, even, like it's, it's certain things that allow you to survive in any hood. Like, you can roast. Bro, when I walked in, the, when, I, when I first walked in, they made me take my braids out. They, they, this dude was like, man, look at Liu Kang in this mob. You know, look at Liu Kang. And I hit him right back with a joke. And it happened to be that dude th throwing the jokes was like the right-hand man to the main leader. Right, 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 right. I roasted his man. I got invited to the table. I'm sitting with the leaders. <laughs> those are small things, though. And I say yeah. it jokingly, but it's nah, real. It's real. It's people skills. And it's also, you know what I mean, being able to relate to everyday life, bro. You know what I mean? Like... Some of these folks in, in the movement, y'all should probably watch some Maury. Watch some, you know what I mean? Relate to, you know, watch <laughs> Love and Hip Hop. No matter how toxic it is. Yeah. You want, you know what I mean? Like, That's wow. real talk, I go get my hair braided and I get the whole gossip from the block and I get all the updates on all the horrible TV shows that are out there. You know what I mean? But that's organizing too. Because the lady that braided my hair, she's like the local radio station because she gossips all right, day. Right, 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 so if you're trying to get a campaign or political... You better tell her what's going on because she going to tell everybody. True. But I only share that in that when we talk about community, if we really talk about organizing, you know what I mean? We got to meet people where it's at. A lot of times where we at. We got to get out the high horse. Like, what is even that concept? Meet yeah. people where they at. You not there with them? <laughs> where are you at then? Yeah, you free? Well, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, it out. <laughs> you already figured it out? And so that's the thing. And I think like for us, I'll be real, like that was our first experience 
because we're movement kids. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was always two worlds. It was like the hood and like outside mm -hmm. and then like my parents' activism. And I think that for us, we were able to really put it together. And it, it, it happened supernaturally, bro. It, it wasn't really no like, yo, no we finna go organize at Hunts Point. Yeah. It just happened to be. And so what I stress about that is that if you really talk about building community, you know what I mean? Be a part of that community. Be accountable to your community. You know what I mean? But be present in that community. And I feel like that's... Not just on the day of the march. And nah, the be, you, got, you know what I mean? Like, people see me walk into the laundromat, you know, like... Oh, what's up, bro? I was at March. I seen you on Bronx 12 News last week. Wild now. You know what I mean? Like, Shout out to Bronx 12. Yeah. Oh, my God. You know what I'm saying? My favorite part about Bronx 12 is when they do the weather and they show the difference in the temperature between like Hunts Bronx Point, Neck yeah. and City Island. I'm like, there's four miles in between yeah, those. Yeah, yeah. It's like a half degree. So, so for us, that was the main thing, man, is that we were embraced and we were lucky too because it could have went another way for us. I got embraced by the block, by the community, and we had good initiative, and that's what really led to a powerful collective being built, is that none of the folks in our collective was already politicized. We mm -hmm. all started building, you know what I mean, and through the world. And then because of that, we had a collective space that was really community-ran. Like, we had motorcycle club dudes, like, yo, what up, man, can we have meetings here? And I'm like, cool, y'all want to contribute to the space? You can meet here whenever you want. Man, we got a plumber. They put toilets and bathrooms. For, they threw a quinceanera at our community oh, space. Man. We had wedding. We had a wedding at our community Ooh. space. Like now, you're part of their life. Forever it was now. like forever. <laughs> and so people all the time would be like, they wanted to help, you know, make the space better because they felt ownership of it. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like like yeah. I remember one time police tried to shut down an event we had. they were like, who's the executive director? And everybody raised their hands. Oh, yeah. Like we all the directors. What yeah. you mean? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so for us, you know, that that was really a powerful thing about being. Like transplants that we never really approached it. Like, you know, we always head on to our Chicago. You know, I got all the kids in the Hunts Point saying Joe now. But, <laughs> but I say that jokingly because there's trust built. And, and I think that if we're really talking about changing the world, we got to start relating to people. And if we don't do that, we just rhetoric. We just newspapers being sold by some crazy old white dude. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, that, that's, I, I, like, man, you speak in my language, but I really want to... Um... Y'all have mentioned your, the, the origin. So a lot of times on the show, we, we try to get to the root of like where people are politicized. But y'all say y'all are birthed into this a little bit. So I want to get just a, a snippet of that backstory because I think I'm pretty ignorant of the Chilean struggle. So like, what was the political moment that your parents were formed in that, that made you children of refugees? Yeah. And how did that, how does that still come up in like the things you're seeing that's happening here stateside or elsewhere? Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, what's wild is just that- a little bit of the history. You know? you know, we know the history of United States foreign policy in the second half of the 20th century. It's a, it's a, a history of conquest and imperialism and, and colonialism and, there was a lot of, uh, of national liberation struggles throughout Latin America, you know what I'm saying? And there was a lot of coups, there was a lot of military dictatorships, and uh, Chile wasn't exempt. Um, in 1970, Chile actually elected uh, a democratically elected socialist president, Salvador Allende. First time, ever First time it ever happened on the Western Hemisphere. You know, they had we had the example of the Cuban Revolution, but that wasn't through the electoral process. Mm -hmm. And so you have this socialist that takes power and immediately begins to talk about redistribution of land, Mish talks about nationalizing key industries and 
pretty much saying to the multinational pimps, we ain't gonna let y'all pimp us no more. Let me guess, America wasn't too happy. They they weren't feeling it, you know what I'm saying? And not just America. Sometimes we we get it confused, like we, like this kind of like oh, just the government, like it's corporations that are losing their money. So the copper industries, the you know ITT, uh, all these different you know multinationals that were seeing their profits being threatened. Um, and so what does the United States do? They they began this this process initially of a soft coup, and it's wild because it's happening right now. Uh, in Venezuela as we speak, which mm. is, you know, the, at the end of the day, these corporations, they own the factories, they own the raw, you know, the access to the raw materials and, and all this. And, and, and means of production. Exactly. And what they ended up doing was, you know what, you're going to pass laws against us. We're going to warehouse all our goods. You feel me? I'm not even going to put it into the market. You know what I'm saying? And so what happens? You have artificial shortages. You have a disruption in the economy. Manufacturer scarcity. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. So then what ends up, so the, the, the people start saying, wait a minute, is it Allende? Is it the socialism? That's What's the reason for this? When it's really an attack by U.S. imperialism. It culminated in a coup. To, the first September 11th, September 11th, two, uh, excuse me, uh, 1973. You feel me? And... Uh, what happened there was a CIA coup, you know what I'm saying? It was none, none too different than September 11th in the sense of planes attacking buildings. In this case, it was the the, the presidential palace. Uh, Allende is killed in the process, you know what I'm saying? And uh, what begins is a 17-year military dictatorship. Mm -hmm. And our parents were college students at the time, or young people that were um, critical supporters of the Allende government. They were members of El Mid, which for is, is, is Spanish signal stand for the movement of the revolutionary left. Um, and I say they were critical supporters because they believed that, that Allende needed to give the power to the people in, the, in regards to giving the, the arms so people could defend the revolution on a neighborhood level, like you see today in Cuba. You know what I'm saying? And uh, they, the media said, you know, the U.S. going to come in, and they're going to come in with the war plays, and, they're gonna, and that's exactly what happened. Um, and so... Uh, what happens after the coup is the first targets are the people that are in meat because the meat was organized, because the meat was armed, the meat was uh, very clear on their politics, you know what I'm saying? And our parents um, were, were members of the meat and, and as a result, our father uh, was, was uh, kidnapped, captured, uh, disappeared for you know almost a year and incarcerated in concentration camps for almost four years. Um, our mother fled, you know what I'm saying? And to make a long story short, it's this their story of displacement of being political refugees is the story of thousands, uh, if not millions of people across Latin America. You feel me? Um, and so what happens in Chile during that time, our parents leave after our, our, our father gets free, uh, gets freed through, um, you know, this was at the time Jimmy Carter became president. He was like a friendlier face to right, U.S. Right. imperialism. And, you know, they, they linked up with the Red Cross like, yo, this is getting out of hand. Uh, it's becoming a bad press situation for us. Um, and again, this whole time the U.S. is supporting this dictatorship, you know. Uh, our parents um, end, up, uh, be, end up being political refugees in Europe, you know what I'm saying. And that's where Rod is born um, and then end up here in the United States where I'm born. Um, and like Ross said earlier, the, 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 the deep connection for us is the fact that this military dictatorship in Chile wasn't just about, you know, a strong police state. It was about implementing an economic policy. It was an economic experiment. The ideas that were born here in Chicago, the University of Chicago yeah, with Milton yeah. Friedman and this idea of neoliberal economics and the fact that everything could be bought and sold, including the water, the air, you know what I'm saying? People. People, you feel me, that everything has a market value um, and everything can be privatized. Those ideas born here in the Chicago. University of Chicago were implemented in real life 
uh, in Chile. It became the testing ground for a lot of these economic policies. And you could do that because you had a dictatorship. You feel me? So they, you know, you had situations where, uh, you know, Social Security privatized in the 80s. Things that, that the right wing is still dreaming up about doing here in the U.S. They did this in the 80s in Chile under this dictatorship. Um, and so it's, it's kind of crazy, the irony of life, we end up here in Chicago, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's and, really, Chicago's really dialectic like that. The fact yeah. That, like, the universe, or even us, right? Like, we doing this show about, you know, like latent revolutionary politics and organizing on, you know, USC Airways. And we try to be as critical of the institution as possible. But the fact that the movement is so strong, so prevalent here in the birthplace of neoliberalism, it, 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 I'm really just getting my mind around it. I mean, yeah. How, it's, I mean, and let's is. be clear, as an institution, it's, you know, saying it's a nuclear bombs, it's eugenics, it's, it's a lot. It's a, it's a very... It's private police force in the United States. Education, um, whole job. Yeah. All that, all that. So, yeah. so that's, that's the connection that, you know, that brings us to this day. And, and like Ross said, it was really growing up in Chicago here under the table of political meetings, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that, that was a time when there was a lot of solidarity between, you know, Chilean refugees, uh, refugees from Guatemala and the national liberation struggles there, El Salvador, the Palestinian struggle, you know what I'm saying? Puerto, Puerto Rican independence, yeah. um, all that, you know? So I'm curious about in Chicago, in those moments, you say you're under the table at these meetings, um, both like literally where in the city are those movements being held and then also at the same time, where are y'all engaging with music and art and hip-hop in general like physically we're in the city when we were coming up yeah when you're here in chicago uh we, we grew up on the north side mm -hmm. rogers park we was also everywhere too like when we first arrived we lived on montrose but it was always on the north side you know what i mean um and then um but you know these means will be everywhere I, I remember growing up you know what i'm saying like and and i think that that really defined our international view on, on struggle you know what i mean a lot of folks yeah. We have a nationalist views. We we believe, you know what I mean? The same way, you know, we like I said, we grew up around a wide array of folks, you know what I mean? Folks fighting against apartheid in South Africa, Palestinian movements, you know what I mean, Puerto Rican independence. So like that shaped our worldly vision, yeah. you know what I'm saying, of of of, of that. Um we started getting, but at, but at the same time, we grown still we still growing up in Chicago yeah. in the early nineties, you know what I mean? And so, um, you know, I my my first you know, introduction to hip hop was we have an older brother. You know what I'm saying? So he brought home. Is his shit braided up too? Nah, nah, nah. He a doctor. He a doctor. Uh, he a doctor. Man, he, not he got the cones out to the side. <laughs> but he's the original. I, you gotta. Okay. You right. gotta give him his props. You gotta give him his props. But true. Real loud, no. Shout out to him. But I'm gonna put you on game. People, stop. The first hip hop tape I ever got, my mom took a trip to New York. She brought back a KRS tape. That was called Jack of Spades, right? That, that that was one of his albums. Yeah. And what's crazier is that Chicago is also the home of hip house, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. So I had heard of KRS, but because Chicago's Cool Rock Steady was dissing KRS, he had a song which was like he was like KRS One, you ain't nobody, and it was like dun, 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 you're dun, like dun. literally I don't know who he is, so but, he is nobody. You know what I mean? <laughs> so then I'm like, who's this? That's oh, wait a minute. This dude Cool Rock Steady was talking about. This is history because KRS-One was 100% against hip house. Hip house, if you think about it now, is ahead of its time. Yeah. A lot of the hip hop you hear today sounds like hip house. Yeah, no, it's cool. MCs rapping over like techno beats. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. And so, like, some of the first lyrics I memorized were by Fast Eddie. Not even, you know what I'm saying, like, hip hop type right. MCs, you know what I mean? But for Chicago's context, he was rapping, you know what I mean? And then 
you know, I heard a cat rest tape. Then my brother came home, you know, he started giving me, man, peep this, uh, you know, the chronic, you know, peep this track called Quest. And then I'm like, man, I started listening to this. Then I at my school, I started talking to my homies. Like, man, look what my older brother gave me. Man, I already heard that. Peep this. You start exchanging tapes, All of a sudden CDs, you know, and yeah. next thing you know, there's like, wait a minute, there's a culture involved in this? And like, man, you ever heard of Cool Herc and Africa Bambada and Zulu Nation? And you're like, man. But for me, that you know, besides these conversations, what had me, you know, dive into the culture was b-boying. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I, I started breakdancing when I was in seventh grade. And it was like I never looked back. Be wow. you know what I'm saying? You like still I was, got the moves? man. I still get down every now and then, but I'm old, bro. You know, what I'm it's, a, my, it's a small room. My, I won't make my, any asks. My little, my little son, my two year old is an amazing b boy, though. <laughs> Real true story. <laughs> he's cool. he's ill, but um, you know, and then I I, I you know I got down with breakdancing crews. I was in a crew called Ground Effects, and I met Chicago Champions, who was, you know, they won the props award. And it was crazy because like for me, there was certain moments that like, like were like you know like there was like this historic hip hop. Uh, props awards that went down at the Blackstone Hotel in like 93. You know what I'm saying? Like Common won Best MC, Upski. This is 93? Yeah. Upski, you know, that wrote Bomb the Suburbs. Yeah, yeah. He won like most influential like hip-hop personality. Like, yeah, and then Chicago Champions won for Best B-Boy Crew and it was like all these epic, you know what I'm saying, B-Boy battles at night. But for me, it was just that. It was I, I was immersed into hip-hop because I came in through b-boying just as a culture. I used to take my brother G with me when he was a shorty. He was like five years old, I'm 10, and we would ride the trains mm. from Howard on the red line all the way to 95th and just stare outside the window at graffiti. Mm. Like that was something to do because we were 10 and five and I guess our parents were cool with us yeah. being on the train alone. <laughs> like real, real talk, you know? That refugee life, like, oh, just take the train, you be all right. And so we would do that. And so for me, that was... You know, the culture, it was that, man. Like, I was... So, for G, how did it feel for you, for you having a big brother who was kind of, like, taking you out? Nah, it was awesome, man. I'm blessed. You know what I'm saying? It's so crazy because whenever I link up with folks from, like, my generation, we always identify a little more if we had older brothers that were, that were older sisters even that was putting us on game. You know what I'm saying? And and so, I was able to to experience uh, 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 an era in the culture that was... It was it was a diversity of ideas, you know what I'm saying? We had the NWA and you had the public enemy at the same time. You had the the gangster shit, you had the, you know, the the uh the De La Soul hippie stuff, you know what I'm saying? So it's it's uh for me I it was a blessing and also for me it was also like, man, my brother raps, damn, we gotta make some beats, you know? And it was like the complimentary aspect of like, all right, which you know, to this day pop propels us forward in terms of our music is like I was like, yo, damn, my bro raps and then my 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 parents got uh old school you know vinyl at the crib. Let me see what I could do with this. You know what I'm saying? And and I guess you know probably say that I'm still from the I started in the tape deck era. You know what I'm saying? Or you with the pause tapes and you know making the loop and <laughs> you know and then they my uh, my OG bought me a little Casio keyboard and I was like 11 and it was a rap. You know. Um, so when did when did the the Rebel Diaz did y'all have a name before that or did when nah, did that go? yeah we didn't we didn't really have so. a name we you know I had like a crew in high school and the thing is that Rod he was he was a, a battle MC when he was started MCing so that's you know that's not like that's like <laughs> yeah like you you know that's that's in your face that's that, that's not recorded that's not you know you got a limit you got I need sixteen bars in the hook like nah you know. 
so you just know how to talk shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you feel me? So it was like it was from from that angle, and then so really, Rebel Diaz was born in New York. You know what I mean? Um, we we had previously you know done some stuff here. Um, for the always for the love of the culture, you know what I mean, and and uh, I got the opportunity to go to New York on a scholarship to to New to NYU to New York University, and uh, I I can't say I finished, but those initial years, um, you know what I'm saying, we, we had access that I had never had before to things like studios and you know what I'm saying, and and just people that had knowledge to share, and uh, I was like, yo, Rod, Rod was you know what I'm saying, he had just gotten out being locked up, and you know what I'm saying, it was. Had been on a reverse exile back in Chile <laughs> on some, you know, the immigrant, the, the immigrant experience. Like your, your your parents tell you to go back to the uh, to the country they were kicked out from, and uh, damn, that's deep. You know what I'm saying? And so and so we uh we linked up in New York. Like you know, we Rod Rod came to New York, and that's really where uh, the project of Rebel Diaz began. And and again, it's really that for us it's it's really the marriage between the that that upbringing of hip hop culture in the streets and the b boying and the battle I'm seeing and the beatboxing. You know what I'm saying? Mixing with listening to records at the crib of La Nueva Canción, the folk protest music of the 60s and, you know, a culture of really a lot of internationalism going down. I mean, it is one thing that just in, in being here after being in New York my whole childhood feels really different, right? Not that there aren't folks from all over the world across the city. You were talking about that even in those movement spaces. Um, but just because of the the way that hypersegregation works here is really different as opposed to in the Bronx where you just... Even just musically, the the overlap of stuff, or just the di- range of experience. I don't know exactly. We got black Caribbeans, bro. Right. Well, that's I mean, black black, right. black Latino. You know, yeah. black black is it's a different migration. You yeah. feel me? So over here, and this, you look, you know, Hirsch, it's more pronounced the segregation, the, 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 the just the visual yeah. piece. Like, oh, you black, you from this side of town. Oh, you you know, light skinned Latino, you from this side of town. And that those a lot of those. You know, one of our always shocks was even culturally was being on on a sixth train in the Bronx, and you hear uh, black people talking. Uh, Spanish, but with a Central American accent. Mm. So we're like, wait a minute, you ain't Dominican, you ain't right. Cuban, you ain't Puerto Rican. Where, 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 where we from? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that's the Garifuna culture, yeah, yeah. which is the, you know, yeah. they deep, they yeah. deep in the Bronx, and that's the Central American coast of, you know, Guatemala, Belize, yeah. um, Nicaragua, um, Honduras is the main. Who are we just us. talking to? Oh, we're talking to in, in LA. Um, that's what she was studying. Anyway, oh, yeah, come yeah, back yeah. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. But just this idea that you know, what I'm saying that there's it's less, uh, uh, you know, even just visually yeah. to that that of being able to segregate or just you know, what I'm saying. Um, and also, man, the, the Bronx is like a. I always say like it's like a giant. I guess humble park. Well, now humble park not like it used to be, but yeah. it's like a giant humble park in the '90s. You know, what I'm saying like, uh, and so that's. that's what, what do you? That's why I live in. I'm okay. one of the gentrified. There you go. <laughs> yeah, but what do y'all mean by that? When you say it's like a giant humble park. In what sense? Beyond just being uh, just, shit ton of Puerto Ricans. Because that's like to me, that's the neighborhood. That, that's the neighborhood in, in Chicago where you have black and Puerto Rican folks together. Yeah. I mean, at least when when I I don't know how it is now, but you know what in I mean. In the '90s, it was. So yeah, that was our connection. Really, it was like, man, that's it's like Humble Park, bro. You know what I mean? Like, and and I know I felt at home when because I used to always be in Humble Park in Low Square. I was like, man, this is where it's at. You know. Um, and you asked about the spaces earlier, Uwe Hall. Uh, um, Centro Romero, Casa Aslan, uh, Ruiz Belvis. You're talking about the physical spaces. A lot of these don't even exist no more. Man, I used to be at the Ruiz Belvis Cultural Center. It, it, it used to be in Wicker Park. There's a new one now, but it used to be in Wicker Park by, uh, what is it, the Six Corners. Um, yeah, where it's all you know gentrified now. But back in the day, man, you know, I, I was laughing because my son was running around the event yesterday. And that's how we were, man. We was at all the political events. Wow, and we were them kids. <laughs> 
that that the movement will be like, oh, here they come. You know what I'm saying? And the kids that we were with was all other refugee kids. So it was like we had little, you know what I'm saying, little homies from different parts of the of the world. You feel me? So I know we're running out of time, but but real quick, I want to, you know, as Damon mentioned at the beginning, y'all were in town, or y'all were here performing at this uh, event yesterday, which was, you know, brought, brought together organizers and community organizations from across the city. Um, and then y'all got up and no shade to the to the sound people of the space. But as sometimes happens at a at a show, uh, there were some technical difficulties. And I don't want to I don't want to stay on that. But I, I do. I can imagine that y'all have played some janky ass rooms over yeah, the yeah, years. Yeah. Um, and I'm wondering if there are any particular horror stories from rooms Man, where we, the yeah. mics were in three pieces and the whole thing. I mean, you know, there's always the community center show where you where you got one mic or or you they ask you to come rap and then you show up and they ain't even got a speaker system, yeah. you know. <laughs> but there's also like, man, we did we did something once in, in Europe. We did like like 20 cities in Germany in a matter of like 25 days and. <laughs> We linked up with with a lot of folks out there that was that's that's more organizing around anarchist values, you know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. they, it was a straight squat house tour. You feel me? Like you know, and so that meant you like mean the anarchist sound systems were like really on point. You know what I'm saying? So it was like you had sometimes where it was it was on point. Like you know, there was there's one. Uh, this was that actually in Greece, but there's a the Exotia Square, which is one of the anarchist strongholds in in Athens. You know, they had the ill sound system, but then we there was different cities like in Germany where it was like you rocking in somebody's living room and they feeding you some some organic salad from the backyard and you feel me and it's like right right so so man i mean i'm sure there's more we've had you know we rack our brains from the last last 10 years we've been blessed to to do mad you know traveling and being able to to get to know different different places that you know that are practicing the culture so yeah I, I, well i'm real interested as an artist as well, who's like become politicized and like haven't been able to like merge it, um, and, and in some ways wanting to like be more coded. Um, how how did how did y'all get into being so explicitly political in your music? Was that ever a struggle? Did y'all get there? It, it wasn't like that in the beginning. It wasn't so yeah. Does and no, with that still? I I sometimes? think that it it also had to do with just more what we were doing. You know what I mean? I've always felt like. Like when I was on my battle rise and wilding out, I was wilding out in real life. Like it wasn't like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, so in New York, I feel like it was for for you know G was in school. For me, it was kind of like I'm on the run. I'm trying to leave things behind me. But it, it was more like I started working uh, with you know with young people. You know what I'm saying? I was a youth organizer at a spot called Youth Ministries for Peace and Justice. Shout out to YPJ, and um, I was doing. Working with like 15 year olds and I'm doing hip hop work and organizing. And so like, truth be told, the first song that we did, and this is before Rebel Diaz was even the name, was a song I dedicated to those kids. Mm -hmm. And that was a song called Canto. And I remember that. That was the first song that we ever did that like we would perform and you could tell the people were like, yo, like, mm -hmm. you know. And so I remember the first, we performed that one time at a, at a Katrina rally and this dude was like, yo, I'm taking y'all on tour. And he was he was doing the New Yorkian Poets Cafe tour mm. at the time. And so 
it's kind of tripped out, but you start performing in those environments, you're not going to go up there and be like, yo, you know what I'm saying? Like, on some wilding. Yeah. So we started, I think that like our music just naturally, because of the work that we were doing politically, just started reflecting a lot more of what we were really on. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I think that for us, it was that. We were a little bit older. We were not 17, 18 no more, 21, 22, 23. I was like 24, 25 when I moved to New York. I was like, man, like, I'm in a different space just in life, you know what I mean? So my my lyrics started, I think, being and the more and then and then in New York, we just we just dove in more into the political work. Does you know it does it, do you ever struggle with feeling like it it it, it keeps you in the politicized bubble? Never, or, because or be, because you know folks have asked that before, and I try to tell folks like this: like wherever there's resistance in the world. People have somehow heard about our music. I never in my life thought I'd go to Greece and rock 20,000 people. I never thought I'd go all over Germany. You know what I'm saying? Like, and so what we've learned is that we stick into what we what we believe in. And I think that like as we got older, we were also able to make that connection. Like, yo, this is our, this is what we were meant to do. This is our, our family. My dad was a political prisoner, be I'm born in, like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And I think that because our approach has also been an international one, it's allowed us to be able to. I mean, we not many groups get to even say they've been around ten years, you know. And we've been able to perform all over the world, and I and so I say wherever there's resistance, Rebel Diaz is gonna always have a place to go perform and go rock because that's what we've stuck to. And I think that a lot of folks honor it because they also know that there's been work behind those lyrics, and not a lot of MCs can say that. And it's not to, you know to be all man check us out, but it's real talk. I know a lot of we call them studio rebels, the same way you're a studio gangster, like. How real is your lyrics if you don't ever put in work? You know what I'm saying? And that's not to knock. There's a lot of OGs that, that I salute and honor them because I know that they put in work during their time. You know what I'm saying? So I say that too. It's like, you know, a lot of the folks coming up, you got you got to balance the work with the with the message. And you always got to be clear too. Like the industry going to do what they do. You know, private capital going is, is about selling the product. So they going to come up with terms like conscious rapper and, you know, let's put let's put this in this box and this in that box. But at the end of the day, like the said, I think it's also just being true about where you at in life. Even now, you know what I'm saying? We in a space where we got kids, you know what I mean? And and we talking about not, not so much now fuck the police, but what would a world without police look like? Right. You know what I'm saying? What's that world that we trying to create What's it taste like? What's it look like? What's it smell like? What's it, how's it going to work? You know what I'm saying? So that's, I think that even again, it's like a progression or or, or however you want to call it, evolution that just reflects where, where we've been at in life. You know what I'm saying? Also to that point, like while we're in like the, the process of the life and the music, what, 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 what what goes into the decision-making process of English versus Spanish songs, right? Oh, like, man. Like, I, I know that can't just be random, yeah. like, this message we want to no, speak to. It's been random. It's been, it's yeah, been random. Right now, we, we just, like, purposefully are, are wrapping up an all-Spanish album. You know what I mean? Because we went to Latin America, and I'm like, why are we been snoozing on all these people supporting the music? Like, we got all these fans based off bilingual. Imagine we did a whole, like, they fully understood, you know? And so, but not just that, it's also the, the reality that, like, man, there's a beautiful hip-hop scene in Latin America, you know what I mean? And it's real talented and it's real also, uh, it's, it's real underground still, you know what I mean? It's like, it reminds me a lot of the hip-hop scene here that I came up in. You know, folks are in it to win it for the culture. 
And so we trying to tap into the, into that world too. Um, but for us, a lot of times, you know what I mean? Even with doing a Spanish album, we were trying to like, there's still be English lyrics in there. Like, cause this is who we are. Be like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm from over there, but I, I'm, I grew up over here. You know what I'm saying? So for us, it's been, it's been that. Now, it's crazy. Cause even with the decision to make the Spanish record, we were like, we're looking through the sound like, man, it's a couple of English words in there <laughs> and a few of them. And that's also just the reality of, you know, saying living language. We, we, we out here, we, we the first generation to grow up from our family to mm. grow up here and, you know what I mean? It's it's a bilingual. We think bilingual. We talk bilingual. Our kids gonna be, you know what I'm saying? So that that it all gets mixed in for sure. I know we're we're about to to wrap, but I just wanted to thank y'all for taking the time one to sit down with us, but two to to be around the event. And I'm excited to as as y'all talk about lineage and being the you know the first you y'all placed yourself in lineage in all these different ways through this conversation and that's something we spend a lot of time talking about so it's exciting to start seeing the way those things continue to overlap in the work y'all do and what we're doing here and i'm excited to see what what grows from this conversation for sure yeah, man no, we're excited to do that. but most importantly before we wrap we got to get back to the braids like <laughs> <laughs> i need to know the process i need to know how long it takes to get like I, 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 as somebody who's been like this, this hair, i respect it I'm, I'm not knocking it I'm not knocking it at all. I'm curious. Like it seems like it takes a lot of work and a lot of passion. Like this is not, you know, just Rob been up. a Rob been a '90s braid. I've been in and out of the braid game. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I had like I love a couple pictures in there, a couple videos where like, I'm rocking the Mohawk braid. You know what I'm saying? I done. I did the Mohawk. I did the graphics. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> on average, how long does it take you to get your shit done? Now we got we got some. Man, it's a few. We, what do you do a process? Do you do like I'm gonna do a third? Today. I'm gonna do two for one deal, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Nah, we, it's uh, man, it's different. We got different. You know, Rock got his hood braider in, in the Bronx, at his neighborhood. We got we got a sister out here that does that be hooking it up, and you know what I'm saying? It's keep keep it tight, man. When your hair's loose, the energy's the energy loose, though. You gotta you know what I'm saying tie that shit down. <laughs> I rock braids because I also that that to me that's how I pay homage to to you know the indigenous communities and even in Chile, like you know this we, this is warrior hair, homie. True, we not you know what I mean. True. And so I think that even like with like hair politics, you know what I'm saying? Like it's real. Like movement change. You know, I start, the same way yeah. with like, you know, that they used to rock beards and you know, to yeah, show yeah. in Latin America, Fidel and them started rocking the beards. They was in the gorilla, people started rocking beards, you know what I mean? Not these little hipster nowadays with the beards, <laughs> but I'm talking about seven like so for us even, you know, or even with like with, with the fro, you mm -hmm. know, like that's also you see that a lot more mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying post Ferguson yeah. real talk no real you know? talk I, I stopped cutting my yeah. hair after my and so I think that, that for us there's also you know what I'm saying there's also a political you know what I'm saying decision and and I and I say that because like for example even uh, when we were kids our parents would be like yo we're not giving you a crew cut cause that reminds us of US military true so yeah, real yeah. talk, you know. <laughs> y'all speaking my language. We can keep going. We gonna we gonna get out y'all crib, uh, and, and let y'all get to work. But it's it's much love. Is there anything coming up? Anything y'all want people to know that y'all plug in or man music? You know, we we got we 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 got a project uh, uh in Spanish like Ross says called America versus America. You know what I'm saying? Um, and then uh we have that's you know we have awesome collaborations that we building with different artists internationally. Ana Tiju, Chico Trujillo, um and uh boca floja and then also we doing a project um with the brother tef poe from from st louis from ferguson and uh that's that's a crazy it's a crazy mix because we initially did a one song and then all of a sudden we did two songs and then we chilling in different cities across the world and then like yo we got like 
Got like 10 songs, though. What we want, you know? <laughs> it's a beautiful so thing. it's an awesome mix, you know what I'm saying? It's, a, it's black and brown unity. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a dope coming together of artists that are, you know what I'm saying, doing doing work in the community and also could, could get with it on the raps and on, on the music. So that's that's exciting. And then also, man, we continue to do, you know, our media campaigns. We, we, we've... we uh, what that Ted Cruz clip that was yeah I mean that's that's thing. we didn't really get to talk too much yeah. about that but part of our work in the last few years has been uh doing media work we were working for some time with Dela Sud which is a, a network based in Latin America um and again just bringing hip-hop col- uh, politics and culture you know what I'm saying in, in short formats and being able to share the stories of different people throughout the world that's just doing work, yeah. So, so we right now we're working with this with, with the idea of, of of a concept of a campaign. It's not a website. It's not a it's not a brand name. It's just this idea, uh, the ungovernables. And mm. the idea behind the ungovernables is uh, one recognizing that our uh, our community we've already been deemed disposable. You feel me? And that's why we have they have to militarize our neighborhoods. They have to you know hyper police our communities because. The human spirit gonna find a way to live dignified, whether that's through the underground economy or different ways. Um, the the oppressors know that they need to militarize and police our neighborhoods uh, because of the way the system is built. And so, off top, they recognize that we are ungovernable. Now, the question is, are we ready to recognize that we are ungovernable as well? And this doesn't necessarily mean we're gonna beat the drones and beat the tanks and beat the you know military police state on the street necessarily, but it does mean that we can start to struggle on the ideological terrain in terms of our minds as well. You know what I'm saying? Are we going to let the oppressor continue to tell us, you know what I'm saying, how to do our work? Are we going to let the the oppressor's values still shape our relationships? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and again, behind this this concept is, is we're really trying to show the value systems of the hood. Case in point, in the South Bronx, it's a very common thing to see when you got a woman, uh, a single mother with a stroller, and she about to go up and down the subway Man, stairs. Three people ready to pick people up. People going to pick them up. Every you know time. what I'm saying? You got a car that's in the, on the block and it, need, it, it needs, you know what I'm saying, uh, it needs to get fixed. There might be people helping to build it. You feel me? Uh, you know, if you have a situation where, you know, uh, LGBT or, or trans or whatever, uh, a person gets, you know, harmed, the, the neighborhood is going to stand up for that person. Not necessarily because, oh, they trans or they LGBT or they this or that. They're from the neighborhood. You feel me? So these concepts are ideas that of 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 physical territory and ideological territory that we losing right now on that front, and we have to be mm. real with ourselves. And you talked about Post Ferguson two years later. You know what I'm saying? That there's been an awakening. It's an important moment because a lot of young people are opening their eyes up to to realities of how the system works. But at the same time, we've also seen uh, the creation of almost a manufactured opposition. You feel me? And and an oppos- a manufactured opposition that's used to divide us as well, um, and and really to to cloud the relationship between oppressor and oppressed. And and for us, we with this un- the ungovernables, we're really trying to have it as a, as a concept for dialogue. Mm-hmm. So we no longer want to make media that's just about saying, "Here's my idea, here's my story, and I'm gonna you know give you this information, right. and I'm gonna just agitate or maybe educate, and that's all." We want to use that media to organize. So. What does it look like to have dialogues, you know what I'm saying, amongst different media makers throughout the country um, around, about that concept of the ungovernables? So real quick, the, the dialogues that we're going to be doing on a national level um, are called the philosophical gatherings of the poor. Mm. You know what I mean? And so the idea behind that is that as poor people, everything we know has been defined for us by the oppressor. You know what I mean? And so that, that, that I think, is, is, is something, not to make it sound abstract, but as poor people, we think it's important that we rethink ourselves. You know what I mean? And what does that mean? Like, even the idea of 
of claiming that we are poor people, yeah. we think is an important thing because when we if we don't talk about class, you know, and I ain't trying to sound like these little no. some of these white folks, they'd be like, oh, it's all about class. No, B. no this is a phenomenal. But, but the reality is, is that like life, that yeah. that that as poor people, we we survive. You know what I mean? We survivors, and so how do we start rethinking how we see ourselves? You know what I'm saying? So um, that's 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 really the the idea to start having more conversations, and so. This is based off of a model so that from some comrades that we've been building with in Venezuela. Mm. And so their whole piece is like, even from these gatherings, they put out, like someone is literally typing everything being said, and then they put out a book. And the author of the book is everybody that participated mm. in that process. And so the idea is too is also to try to start coming up with new ideas, man. This is 2017. Sounds like we, maybe a podcast, you know, for instance. You know, would yeah. be a dope way to capture those we, conversations. We can't, just, we can't just keep going back to, to ideas from the early 1900s, bro. You know what I mean? Like, when you're dealing with new technologies and even our perception of time and space, it may sound crazy, no, but... We're, we're, whatever I'll go down that road on, with you. You know what I <laughs> mean? Like, we can't... We have to start coming up with... And the only way to get to those new ideas is by having dialogue. A lot of times in the movement, we make the mistake of repeating the, the way that capitalism expects results. So a lot of times, like, if you're not... Like if you pro like folks are like that's why protest culture has become so huge because it's, it gives instant satisfaction. Like man, we really took the streets tonight. I be what 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 are the results that have come out of that? You know what happens and so tomorrow. That, so the idea is also to to not you know the same way that these folks are planning twenty thirty years ahead already. How do we as poor people start slowing the pace down and being like let's have conversations like we having right now? You know what I mean? And how do we share ideas? Because I think that ultimately we need to plant. The idea that's going to win. And I don't think that idea's been born yet. You know what I'm saying? So Word. <laughs> yeah, so as we wrap up, uh, just to make sure everybody know, May 1st, May Day, uh, the, the Rebel Diaz is coming back to the city. Um, there's going to be a march, 11 a.m., Ogden and Roosevelt at the Juvenile Detention Center, and that's feeding into a big march uh, for labor and, and, and making sure that there's a proper intersection of our economic analysis around justice and the racism and xenophobia and uh, Islamophobia and deportations that is becoming more prevalent in people's consciousness as we got crazy motherfuckers in the White House so we thank Ergo you. Radio thank y'all so much for having us thank you so such, much for doing this I look forward to linking with y'all off the mic in the future man much love yeah that'd be yeah, great let's do, it in let's, let's, my new DJ. let's do this do it yo peace peace what up Chicago this is G1 this is Rod Stars together we what's um, what up y'all this is G1 peace this is Rod Stars <laughs> this the whole drop. Right, this you, whole thing you. in the drop. We rep with Dion. I got you. I got you. Boom. Three, two, motherfucking. Wow. What up, y'all? This is G1. Peace. This is Rod Star. Together, we rep with Dion. You tuned into Ergo on WHPK. Peace. Get it. No. I'll tell you what freedom is to me. No fear. I mean, really. No fear. If I could have that. of a problem my people like whatever trying to get the cheddar get the cheddar get the cheddar my people like whatever trying to get the cheddar my radical dilemma is a bit of a problem my people like whatever trying to get the cheddar get the cheddar get the cheddar my people like whatever trying to get the cheddar hello good evening are you feeling content is there
there food on your table? A room to rent? Is your family well? Are you keeping up with your health? Overall, are you happy with the hand you was dealt? What will enjoy your relative comfort and that spell that you're under? Time for rude awakening. Life is about to change. And if you ain't ready, then you accept slavery. We all move at a different pace. But I ain't gonna wait for change. No bucket, no tin cup. No begging for mere crumbs. No selling for less than what's needed for living. These times of depression, recession ain't Passive consumption's what we feeding the kids Stay quiet and listen, boy, we've been hearing that same thing Since Columbus landed, they had the Indians enslaved We need to break them chains, can't make the same mistakes How we gon' make that change is the dilemma that we face Cause my radical dilemma is a bit of a problema My people like whatever, tryna get the cheddar Get the cheddar, get the cheddar My people like whatever, tryna get the cheddar